you know, if you can hang on to a property and use the equity from that property into another property as, you know, because generally real estate will rise. Sometimes it'll drop, but generally it'll bounce back and go up another few percent, you know, over a few years. And so when you're talking about a few percent, that can be, you know, $20,000. You know, so what you need to look at is a long-term goal. Real estate is not really a short-term business. You know, it's a long-term business. So, and you need to look at it that way. I would never buy anything out of love. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and this podcast is part of a larger community called Biz Women Rock. This podcast will give you very easy to digest, actionable information that you can directly apply to your business to help it grow. If you want to be part of the entire Biz Women Rock community, Go to bizwomenrock.com and go opt in and you'll get a personal invitation to become part of our private Facebook group. Are you a podcaster? Then you are not unfamiliar with how much time podcasting can take from booking guests to writing a script out to actually recording the podcast to post-production, putting it all together, making it sound great and putting it out there to market. Wouldn't it be great if you could take out the most time-consuming part of that entire equation, the post-production? Just imagine all the things that you could do to move your business forward if you did not have to post-produce your show. And you could give it over to somebody who did it better than you did. And you could get it out of your to-do list. That is when you call Emerald City Productions. Danny and his team are experts at taking your audio and doing everything they need to on the back end to make you sound good and to make your message super clear. And most importantly, they are clearing your schedule to do the things that you are best at. When I asked Kristen Petrie, creative director at Malarium.com, why she outsources her podcast production, she said, Emerald City Productions has been an important contributor of the success of our podcast and makes it easy to deliver quality content to our listeners. He is quick, detail-oriented, affordable, and very easy to work with. The sound quality of our show has improved since he's taken over production, and he's made it possible for me to allocate more time to improving our site and promotions rather than spending hours removing ums and ahs from our shows. We consider Danny an invaluable asset, and we are more than a little thrilled to work with him. Outsourcing the production of your podcast may sound scary and expensive, but it's actually not. Danny Osmond and his team at Emerald City Productions are giving you a special offer just because you're part of the Biz Women Rock community. That's right. Your first four episodes can be produced at $15 per episode. And then their regular price is $40 per episode. That is insanely worth your time. So make sure to go to emeraldcitypro.com forward slash bizwomenrock and get your special deal for being part of the Biz Women Rock community and start being smarter with your time and outsource your production to the professionals today. 
I am so excited that you're here listening right now. Oh, number one, because I want to be able to convey the amount of love and happiness and joy that I am feeling right now. It's Sunday night. It is literally hours after the inaugural Biz Women Rock retreat has come to a close, and I am just bursting with energy. Uh, I'm bursting with so much love for every single one of you who makes this community possible, um, and especially for you ladies who did show up to the retreat in person in Florida. It was incredibly special. And I usually like to make sure that my shows are are done and recorded like before Sunday because they go live on Mondays. But uh, this one I deliberately waited for because I wanted to be able to have this introduction uh, with the retreat fresh in my mind and be able to convey to you just how powerful it was. So uh, here's what happened. I was able to gather, there were 11 incredible businesswomen. And these businesswomen they're all savvy, like they've been in business. Some of them are going through massive transitions in their business, meaning the kind of the businesses that they had built were not what they really wanted to be doing. Um, and some of them had built some, you know, pretty successful seven figure businesses and they really just wanted to blow it out of the water in 2017. So that's what we focused on. Um, what were we going to do in 2017? So I took these ladies through incredible exercises that helped them really dive deep into why they wanted to do their business and grow their business in the first place, um, what their personal business mission statement was. We talked about creating their own schedule so that they could uh, really create the business and their actions that they wanted uh, according to the schedule that was important to them and the priorities that they had that were important to them. Um, we then talked about goals. What, what was this big money goal that you had for the end of 2017? Um, we worked backwards into identifying how they would actually achieve those things, uh, achieve those goals. And then we did a lot of hard work around uh, systems and cleaning up some of the systems that we had and got some really great ideas about how to do that um, and make it not so heavy. There are a lot of people just within that room of 12 women. I think only three of us actually geeked out on systems and really liked them. (laughs) And I'm including myself in that because I love systems and processes and process improvement, but most people don't. Most, Most of us entrepreneurs, we don't. So, um, Uh, But I was able to give them an exercise that helped them identify where there were uh, system improvement opportunities and why that was so important to their bottom line and some pretty simplistic ways to be able to to tidy those up immediately. And then, of course, we talked about generating money and generating revenue and how to do that and all sorts of different um, marketing ideas and packaging ideas and uh, just all over the board, great stuff. So this included tons of masterminding, exercises, um, you know, concentrating things, dealing in spreadsheets, uh, coloring. Uh, it was the gamut. And we had incredible food. Uh, I brought in a chef who made homemade, just organic, amazing, healthy, fun food the whole time. And um, we just had a lot of fun. It was If you have ever been on any sort of a retreat or any sort of like an intimate type of a workshop where, I mean, the majority of these women stayed at the house. We were at this beautiful beach house in Florida and most of the women stayed at the house. So, so much of the weekend and the experience had to do with the glue of the relationships that happened amongst these women. So I'm telling this to you because 
Um, a, I want to make sure that you as a part of the Biz Women Rock community understand what kind of resources are available to you. Um, and you're able to see that you're not the only one busting it in business. There are plenty of amazing very forward thinking, super driven and powerful women just like you who are showing up every single day and wanting to make their businesses great and wanting to continue to work on it, continue to work on it. And these women were just so driven to get their businesses to where they wanted to be in 2017. And I'm so excited to be uh, continuing to work with them and uh, just watching those those visions manifest. That is the coolest thing to me. So if any of this sounded cool to you, I am putting on the Biz Women Rock virtual retreat on November 29th. It's from noon to 2 p.m. I would love to have you there. You do not need to fly to Florida in order to participate. You are going to join us online. It's in a Zoom conference call. You're going to be able to see all of the other participants on there with you. And it's going to just be so much fun. I'm going to go through all of these exercises that I went through with the ladies this weekend, and you're going to get to use all of these exercises, to use these tools to get you to where you want to be for 2017, okay? So you can go find out more information about that at bizwomenrock.com forward slash virtual retreat. Marie Walden McGinnis is the financial freedom maven. Those are my words, not hers. Uh, But I'm considering her this because she runs 11 different businesses, family trust. Six of those 11 businesses are real estate businesses. And she has an online presence with Smart Women's Network, an entire community for women who are building their online businesses and who want education on financial freedom. During this interview for the Money Moxie series, she's diving deep into her knowledge on real estate. She's walking us through what her first couple of deals really looked like. She's giving you exactly what to look for when you're looking for a deal, when you're looking for a piece of property, and some really amazing tips on how you should be approaching real estate as a business. She is super passionate about helping women attain the financial freedom that they want um, and provides a lot of education on how to do that in so much that she actually is giving away a special free offer for you as a part of the Biz Women Rock community. So make sure to listen for that at the end. Let's get into it with Marie. Marie Walden McGinnis, what is going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Woo-hoo! I'm here. <laughs> this interview is a long time coming because um, I am very flattered to say that you were like one of my very first podcast listeners <laughs> listening all the way in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had the privilege of getting to know you as a good friend over these past couple of years. And um, so when I was building out this Money Moxie series, specifically talking about different verticals of business, um, oh my God. And then real estate came up and I was like, oh my God, of course, of course I have to do Marie. And you listening are so lucky right now because Marie is not only a real estate maven, she really is like she knows her stuff when it comes to finances and creating financial freedom in her life. So this is going to be a very amazingly like overpowering 
interview with a lot of information about how to gain financial freedom. And we're going to dig in specifically to Marie's experience with real estate. So um, Marie, because you have so much, can you just start off describing all the different ways that you bring revenue in right now? Okay. So yeah, I sort of have... um multi-income stream businesses. Um, currently, I have 11 businesses that I look after on a day-to-day basis. And I'm also an active major shareholder in a large software company that I was just saying to Katie that we've got the rights to the USA now. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I don't have to look after that one on a day-to-day basis. My husband does that, but I'm quite involved in some of the planning and, you know, etc. And the other thing I do is um, I look after our family trusts, which is a really important way to protect money for your family. So um, seven of those companies are joint family businesses, six are in real estate investment, um, and the other company invests in shares, currency, gold and silver. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I'm in a partnership with my son, in his media and photography business. And then I've got my solo interests. Um, I'm a sole director of three businesses. Um, One's my personal property portfolio that I started when I turned 40. Um, Then Smart Women's Network, which is an education platform for ladies in business and money and good times. And I only launched that this year, which, you know, is a labour of love for me very much because I love to share education and see others, you know, hit that success button. And um, the other business is a new one that I'm just getting the legal sorted out for right now. And, again, it's in education as well. So that's the one to sort of tune into down the track. Sorry, I'm a bit croaky, girls. I've got to... Little bit of a head cold at the moment. So <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. We're pushing through. So yeah. for you listening, what I don't want you to do is feel overwhelmed by the amount of businesses that Marie has going on because one of the things that I really want to drive home is that you started with just one. Like you started started with your very first thing and everything that you've built all of these years have been through incremental decisions and incremental changes and incremental, you know, um, growth opportunities. So I one of the things I really want to do is dig into your real estate um, knowledge because it's incredibly vast and there's so many yeah. smart things that you do with real estate and you're able to utilize it as a really great tool for financial freedom. So um, tell us about the very first deal. And I'm asking this because there are definitely women listening who know that real estate is a really good financial freedom vehicle and they keep hearing about it. Perhaps they even have like they've, you know, gone and thought about getting a mortgage for a rental property, but it's scary to them. So tell us a little bit about your very first property that you had, your very first deal and like how you structured it, what happened and the whole story. All right. Well, I'll tell you about the very first property that I purchased, but really it was the second property that I considered to be part of my portfolio. The first property um, I purchased was when I was pregnant with my son James and it was a block of land in Queensland. Um, We did it the hard way. Um, We got a block of land. We lived in a caravan, built a garage with facilities so we could then live in that until we, you know, while we were building the house. 
um, which was all great and it was working. It was very, very difficult because it was very hot there, number one, and there was no air con or anything. Um, the problem with that was, you know, we had this big dream but I got homesick so I wanted to move back to New South Wales. So we sold that property. We didn't lose money but we didn't make a massive amount. We, you know, probably made $15,000. That was okay. Gotcha. But then that's when I was 23. So I didn't buy another property until I turned 40. Gotcha. Because because I became single, right? So I was raising two kids on my own, financially supported them, you know, 100%. Um, so in Australia, you need 10% deposit really to purchase a property. So I had to save that. And the property that I purchased when I was 40 was $330,000. So I needed $33,000 as a deposit, but also the extra costs. Real estate's quite expensive here to work with because you have to pay stamp duty, you have to pay insurances um, and a lot of other fees, you know, before you can get into the market. So really there was about 36000 that I needed. So I worked in my corporate role. And I also had side businesses as well where I could make a little bit of extra money in software and bits and pieces. So it took me a long time to actually save that money. So um, so I did that and, I, you know, gosh, I was so proud of myself on that day. You know, I was so happy. And, um, and that's why I stayed in those corporate roles because I knew if I wanted a loan, number one, I had to have a good financial income each month. Right. You know, because otherwise you can't get a mortgage here in Australia because it's a little different in the States, I think, because here you, you have the mortgage on a particular property. When that mortgage sells, it doesn't transfer to anyone else. It stops. Really? Yeah. So it's a little different, right? Gotcha. So, yeah. So it, it's tricky and it does take a lot of work. I I actually like the proposition of purchasing in the U.S. because it's much easier than Australia. So when you, were, when you purchased that first property, did you – was your mentality that it was an investment property for you or was your was your mentality that, no, this is our home? Because it's kind of two different mentalities going into it. No, absolutely as an investment property. In fact, for the first nine months, I left the te- – because it was a tenanted property, so I left the tenants in there. And the reason I bought that property was, firstly, it was near schools. Secondly, it was on a bus route. Um it couldn't be built out. It was a two-story brick solid um, property, but also it was a dual income property because there was a granny flat downstairs nice. that had independent services. So I got two incomes from that one property. So smart. So did you so cash flow right away? Um, right away, cash flow positive. Um, the interesting thing, again, in Australia is we have – quite a fluctuation in interest rates. So sometimes that property would be cash flow negative as well. But tax-wise, that worked for me as my portfolio grew. So, you know, um, yeah, so initially, yes, cash flow positive for me, which was fantastic. Um, 
forgot what I was going to say there. (laughs) (laughs) So I know so many things. So, okay. So you've got your first property. You, you know, you're cash flowing. You're at least like in it. You've done the scary thing and have actually bought an investment property versus the, the kind of the dream you know, the dream vision land that you had bought when you were younger. So this is definitely yeah. a different mentality. So what, like, did that give you the confidence to then say, okay, I'm I'm going to do real estate and I'm going to build out a portfolio. And then what was your next move after that? So what I did was with that property in particular, and this is all because of tax reasons, et cetera, I actually moved into that property after the first nine months and did a light renovation on it while I was there living there, which worked out to be a good thing. So, but from there, I purchased a second property, which was around the corner, literally, um, as an investment property and basically did the same thing. We lived there for a little while. Um, We then um, bought another property from there and moved into that one. And that was sort of more our home property that we really wanted. Um, So, again, we did a light renovation, maybe a little bit more expensive because I replaced things like windows and knocked out walls and stuff. Um, Now, those two properties I still have. Wow. Okay. Really? Yeah, I still have those properties, yeah. My um, saying is sell seldom. You know, if you can hang on to a property and use the equity from that property into another property as, you know, because generally real estate will rise. Sometimes it'll drop, but generally bounce back and go up another few percent, you know, over a few years. And so when you're talking about a few percent, that can be, you know, $20,000. You know, so what you need to look at is a long-term goal. Real estate is not really a short-term business. You know, it's a long-term business. So, and you need to look at it that way. I would never buy anything out of love mm. ever. And, you know, as I've said to you before, this house, we've moved to the Gold Coast um, in Queensland now. And, you know, we paid cash for this house. But if for one minute I thought I wouldn't get a return on this house long term, I would never have done that. I would never have invested a lot of cash into it. So you went you know? in, you went into the sale knowing like okay I need to can I sell this tomorrow and if so what would mm-hmm. can I make a profit off of it Yeah and you know I knew I could straight away nice. because I got a pretty good deal not quite as good as I wanted but um you know but because of the location and particularly the way they've done the landscaping on this property which is very unique I mean you feel like you're in a bar in Bali you know a swimming pool in Bali it's awesome but the house itself just needed to be updated, you know. Mm-hmm. So the potential for making money on this property was there right from the get-go. So and if I and the other factor with that is if I went, all right, I'm short on money um, and I need to do something quickly, I could rent this house out for a thousand dollars a week. Wow. With with no problem. Wow. You know, and go and go to the next suburb and rent another one for, you know, 450 a week or something, you know. So it's about really thinking about and, you know, doing your sums and you, you always have to think about potential in a property. And the other potential income I have with this particular property and also the last house that I lived in 
was doing Airbnb, for instance, with it in the holiday season. Which is a great option for a lot of people. It is such a great option. You know, if you're in a desirable location, and the other thing, we have the Commonwealth Games here in um, two years. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll be able to rent this house out for the Commonwealth Games for $10,000 a week. What? Yeah. Holy cow, are you kidding me? So all of this, when I bought this property, I had all this in mind. I went, right, what can I do here? You know, Brian and I want to go on a long-term holiday for two months. Over Christmas, I'll Airbnb it, you know, oh. and we'll make lots of money. Right. And so, that's just the way it is. They, I would love to get your insight on what you look for and how you actually get a deal on a property because I think if you're not sort of, quote, unquote, in the loop, you feel a little like out of it, like, am I just supposed to go to like my real estate investor and they're going to sh show me the stuff that's on the market? How am I supposed to get the real deal? So do you have any recommendations that you could give to anyone who either this is their first time doing it or they're, they're you know, they maybe have started doing it, but how to actually get into the circles that will give them access to the deals that are out there? Well, the first thing to do is get educated. What I did was I, I was lucky in the respect that one of my first jobs was in real estate as a real estate secretary. So I learned a lot there. But, you know, that was a long time between gigs. You know, it was 20 right. years. So, but, you know, the fundamentals were still there. Um, yeah, get educated. Put a hat on that makes you feel like you're a real estate agent, you know. So learn about the properties. Learn what's selling. Go on realestate.com, which I think you've got over there as well. Or mm -hmm. See what sells. See what rental value there is in a property. Make sure there's nothing happening in the area that's likely to change the value of the property. For instance, um, you know, uh, somebody up here I know purchased a place and then what happened was they put a big free freeway right near it. So do your research with that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and, I mean, talk to people. Talk to local people in the area you're looking at buying. And understand the difference between areas. Um, like you could be on one street that backs onto a lower cost housing area. Don't do it. Right. Always look for the worst house in the best street. <laughs> you know? I love that. That is so, so true. So true. Yeah. There's and I don't mean... There's, don't go and buy a matchbox, you know. I mean, within reason, that is. <laughs> yeah. There's so many real estate um, people that I look up to who literally tell me, like, I found this property while I was on my run in the neighborhood and the sign had gotten knocked down and so no one was calling on it. And so, you know, or they're just like weird circumstances or, you know, um, I found this property and, and the you know, the person is like really wanting to get out. They're... You know, they're, they want to go live with their kids and it, it's just all circumstantial. So if you're, if you start getting in there and start doing your research and start getting to know the people, you know, you can find, you can really get clued into some opportunities that are really just sitting there waiting. Yeah. And I mean, if, you know, look for properties, talk to a lot of different agents as well. Um, 
you know, you've got to be careful not to get sucked in also. So build a really good relationship with a few agents and make sure they know that. You know, it's a bit like having a few kids where, you know, the kids play you off against one another. (laughs) But a little bit of good competition is a good thing, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So you really need to do that. Um, Again, talk to locals. Make sure there's no big development plans. Get a solid building. Don't go and get something that needs painting every second year. Get a, you know, a brick sort of house that's not going to get wrecked by tenants. You know, you don't want something with flimsy walls where if they push against it, you're going to have a hole that's going to cost you 300 bucks to fix. Right. You know, so all those sort of, there's a, there's a whole gamut of things that I look for, you know, and it's not simple, but it's not difficult either. Well, I think what I'm gathering, Marie, and this is for you listening, this is really what I want you to take home is that it can it can sound and seem very overwhelming, especially in the space of real estate. And I'm just going to speak for myself. Real estate, when I first stepped my toes into real estate, I was like, this is terrifying. I don't know these terms. This this is this all of a sudden we're talking like big mortgages, like lots of money and this money down and how do you do this wrap and this balloon loan and all this sort of stuff? And it's all very overwhelming. But once you just start taking little actions and you start meeting the right people, you start exactly what Marie said. You start getting yourself educated and it really doesn't take that long. I mean, you really can, you can learn this stuff really fast and really effectively, but then you just have to take action on it. So, you know, it is everything that you're talking about, Marie, is, again, this kind of accumulation of knowledge over time. You just get better at it, like just like you do with any any endeavor that you do. Um, yeah. You know, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest fears that people have when it comes to real estate are the the toilet broke, you know, the having to deal with tenants, the having to deal with maintenance. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that in relation to the larger picture of building a portfolio? Like, has that... Has that ever been something that has been a super big negative? Um, has it deterred you? Like what What has that been in reality instead of this sort of scary version that most people think it is? Yeah, look, it's it's a big reality to be honest. Um, and it depends. Like we actually purchased some properties which we wanted, um, you know, really it, we had a different investment strategy. So we vendor financed some um, people that wanted to buy the houses. So we put up the money for them and they paid us back. But what happened was, and what they do after a while is they pay you out when they are in a position to get a better mortgage. So what you'd end up, the income from that's interest. But what happened with that? They were sort of fixer-upper type properties. A couple of the people couldn't get another mortgage. So basically, you know, we we keep the property. Wow. So so we've had all that, their repayments and interest, say, for two years, and we've kept the property. But what's happened there is these properties needed work. And just to rent them out, they still needed some work. Now, a few of them were fine, okay? They're okay. And they're actually, you know, they're um 10 hours drive from where I am now, you know. They're not in my backyard to go and fix something. So the key with that was we needed a really good agent to keep an eye on the property and manage it, which every property I have, I have a real estate agent manage it. I don't self-manage, okay, because 
you get into too many sticky situations with tenants to do that. Right. Um, but because these needed fixing up, we did that, but they were ongoing problems. You know, one floor started sinking, one roof started caving, and it was like, oh, my God, what do I do with this? So they are the only properties that I've sold. I haven't hung on to them because when I did the figures, I went, no, they're going to end up costing me too much to keep. Mm. However, now that's a small percentage, okay? So let's say that's those few properties are 5% of the portfolio. All the other properties need maintenance at different times, but it's a business. Right. Every business a, needs ma maintenance. It's a business. You don't go into a shop and go, all right, well, I've got the structure here. I'm never going to change any signage. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to, you know, put up a new poster. It all, all businesses you've got to put back into. So people get confused and they go, oh, I've got an investment property. I won't have to do anything else. And that's not the way it rolls. You have to contribute into your business all the time. So don't look at a property portfolio as an investment. Look at it as a business. And when you've got to fix the toilet, you go, oh, yeah, well, that's $200. Well, it's $200. And if you can't afford to spend a couple of hundred, you know, here and there, you're probably not cut out to be a property investor. Yeah. Now, in saying that, also, you go, oh, well, I mightn't have the cash. Do you know what? Even my cash flow sometimes I go, oh, God, I've got to find cash here. So, look, I put it on my credit card. And the other reason I do that is because I get points. I get frequent flyer points for everything I buy on my credit card, which, as Katie knows, I fly all around the world basically for nothing. Which is crazy. You're, she, was <laughs> just, she was just telling me before this that she's coming, she's flying out here to the U.S. Uh, she's coming to the Biz Women Rock Retreat. Woo! And you're like, um, you're like, yeah, I barely spend any money. I basically like paid the taxes for the for the flight. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So there's a it's lot. Amazing. Of, there's so and much strategy. And I'm going strategy. business. Oh, yeah, girl. You know, business class with Emirates, where you get to go and sit at the bar and have a drink on the plane. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. But I you know, so it. so there's a strategy in that as well of the way I, you know, it's like. Money is like a big jigsaw puzzle. You've got to know which bits to do. You do that outside and you work your way in, then you get the big boom when it's finished, you know. It just doesn't happen. So, but, you know, I think, you know, if you're going to do that and you've got a credit card and you pay for some maintenance, make sure you pay your credit card every month so you don't pay interest. Like I don't pay interest on a credit card. Right. That's a mugs game, seriously. Right. Don't do it. They're the little things with money that you've got to watch out for. They're the little devils that lurk around. People go, oh, you know, oh, I paid $110 interest on my credit card that this month. Oh, that's not that much. Yes, it is. Yeah. Hello. That's a lot. <laughs> that's one night accommodation on your holiday. Right. It adds up. It adds up. And it so, adds up. So one thing I just really want to point out, and then I want to um, – I want to I want to close by asking a really cool question. But one one thing I want to point out is that it is about financial discipline. It's about fin like putting energy and attention and time into financial education. And yeah. and we are the stewards of our lives. Like it is if if you are really passionate about wanting to 
move towards financial freedom, if you want a life where you have businesses, you have investment properties, you have other investments, basically paying for your, you know, way of living for all of your expenses. And then like, they're all sort of doing that automatically, quote unquote, Um, you know, like there's a lot of freedom there for you to continue kind of like doing a lot of stuff that you want to do. So I am so addicted to this idea of financial freedom. I, the moment I heard it years ago, I was like, oh my God, because I did not grow up knowing that that was a thing. I didn't, I grew up with, I did not grow up with that sort of financial education. So it is, it is definitely a discipline to take some time to find out about financial freedom, about how you can do it. I, Marie, I so appreciate you going into the depths of real estate because that's just one of the many tools. And as you listening can hear, Marie has a gazillion, um, really great ideas and tips and tricks and suggestions and all sorts of things to do to really build up your own portfolio, build up your own business that can create financial freedom for you. The one question that I really am dying to know is that um, so many times all of us sort of get busy with, you know, managing our lives, managing our businesses, managing our kids, managing the household, managing whatever, that keeping an eye on our finances on a regular basis becomes kind of a big chore. So what do you do to make sure that you are constantly sort of brought in and aware of and keep on top of your financials? Well, I just want to say one thing before I go into that. Like you, I wasn't raised to really respect money or know about money. Um, You know, I came from a pretty lean sort of background. Um, The one big driver for me to keep myself on track with money is I don't want to live like a pauper. Yeah. You know, when I'm an old woman, I don't want to have someone say, you can't live here anymore because we've sold the property. You know, I want to be able to have my own house. I want, if I get sick, I, I don't want to live in a retirement place or an old people's home. I want to have enough money for someone to look after me. Okay, so that's one side of it. You know, I've been on that side where you haven't got enough money for your health, you know, raising those two kids through those years where we, you know, and it's not a sob story. It's just fact where, you know, we lived on eggs and potatoes pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. while I was at uni and trying to work and raise the kids, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't change any of that for one second, ever, ever, ever. But, you know, I want stuff and, you know, I love to travel, you know, and I don't want to do it where it's uncomfortable for me. I like to do it, you know, comfortably, particularly now after this ankle break. I need to keep my leg up and, you know, the this sort of thing. The other thing too is I want to really be able to help my kids and my family and some charities that I like to really support, you know, that are really deserving. And a friend of mine, French friend, she said to me, oh, Marie, you know, you've become a capitalist. I said, so? Like, you know, I said, (laughs) yes. So I said, I I can actually help people. Can you? And she just looked at me like, what the heck? I said, I can actually seriously help people that really need it. So, and that's that's one of my drivers, you know. But at the end of the day, I think it's you've got to really work out what you want. And generally women are quite scared of money, you know, and I am really generalising here. I, you know, it mightn't be a lot of the ladies with Biz Women Rock, but in the bigger scheme of things, women are quite scared about money because really 
for many, many years, it wasn't our responsibility and we weren't even allowed to be responsible. So the thing is you need to educate yourself. You need to have money confidence and, um, you know, and that's, as I said to you earlier, that's what I like to do. I like to see success stories with women with money, you know, where they've gone, oh, man, I can do this. Love that. I love yeah, that. so, and it's not that hard, seriously. You'll go and do a course to, this was, oh, sorry, I get really quite passionate about this. Women will go and do a course to speak French or speak Spanish or whatever, which is a great hobby, right? But they won't go and do a course in money, which they need. Right. Because we, we don't know what our future holds. There's not a government that's going to look after us when we're old. That's Those days are gone. Right. So you've got to look after yourself and make sure you know how much money you will need in the future to look after yourself. And it's actually not that hard to do. It takes 20 minutes to work that out. You know, and I'm happy to help anyone that, you know, if they want to ask me that question, how to do it, I'm happy to share that with them. Tell us a little bit more about where everyone listening can find out more about the financial education that you have available about the being able to pick your brain about what's going on in their financial lives and get some help from you who has gone through so many things and can offer so much great advice and help. Well, um, you can contact me through Smart Women's Network, which is smartwomensnetwork.com. Um, for your listeners, Katie, um, I'm doing a little mini course. It's free, um, which is, you know, we're just going to call it the Financial Freedom Mini Course because guess what? That's what it is. Um, and it just gives you some ideas. And you can always email me, you know, if you get onto smartwomensnetwork.com, you will find me. And as I said, I'm happy to answer questions because, you know what? Ladies, we're all in this together, and if women can get more control on what's going on money-wise, it gives us more control worldwide. And, you know, the world needs needs us right now. I can't think of a better way to end this show. Marie, thank you so much. You're obviously so passionate about that, and I love seeing that. Um so make sure you go to smartwomensnetwork.com. Go download the special financial freedom mini course just for you listening, part of the Biz Women Rock community. Um, and I will have a link for that in the show notes uh, for this conversation as well. Marie, thank you so much for giving of your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And, I, you know, I hope somebody out there gets something from this because it's so important. 